Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. Good morning. It is January. We are on day 14 as we are covering now uh, Genesis 40, 41, and 42, along with Psalm 14. Uh, We've got a lot to look at today, and I'm going to spend a little bit extra time in chapter 42. Uh, maybe giving some some more additional uh, uh, information than, than usual. Five observations from Genesis 40 to 42. Pharaoh put the chief cupbearer and chief baker in prison with Joseph. Number two, Joseph interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and baker, and those dreams come true as he said they would. Third, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams and gives the credit to God. We see that in chapter 41, verse 16. And then he gets promoted at the age of 30. Fourth, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to get grain during the famine. This is a a very, very important chapter in the Old Testament in understanding um, how things unfold. This chapter 42 is one that uh, really demands our attention and understanding. And then fifthly, Joseph has Simeon stay in custody and tells his other brothers to return home and bring Benjamin back to him. Five applications from the reading today. We trust God to do what only God can do. There are some things that we know um, only come to pass because God does them. The Lord gives us spiritual gifts to use. He gives us talents we can use. He gives us the means of prayer. Um, that he uses to accomplish his purposes. But there are some things only God can do. Um, Ultimately, only God can accomplish anything. We've talked about that before in our reading. Um, The horse is prepared for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. We do what we're given to do, what we can do. Um, We're to be faithful with our talents and our resources. Um, Only God can provide the victory. But in terms of the things that we can't control at all, we just trust the Lord to do what only He can do. If there's something going on in your life right now and you've thought to yourself that there's nothing else I can do to fix this, nothing else I can do to change this, um, you just trust. You wait and let the Lord do what, what only the Lord can do. Secondly, even in our suffering, God is doing a work in us. Uh, too often, Christians feel like because they're suffering that God has abandoned them or forsaken them. But understand, even in the midst of your suffering, God is doing a work. He's doing a work in your life through that suffering, refining you. He's doing a work uh, through your life as other people watch how you suffer. Uh, Joseph, is, right now, is you know he's falsely accused. He's put into prison. Um, he's he's put in charge of the prison because of how good he is and how faithful he is. And then. Uh, he interprets dreams, but then he's forgotten. It just seems like he's just going down, 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 down. But as we have read about, uh, that suffering is going to be used for great good. Uh, third, living in wisdom prepares us for trials that lie ahead. Uh, I'm thinking here in, in chapter 41, in verse 36, The food shall be reserved for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so the land may not perish through the famine. So living in wisdom prepares us for trials that lie ahead. Uh, Joseph understood if we're going to have seven years of plenty, 
let's let's save some of it. Let's put that back so that when the days of famine come, uh, we're we're not in in a bind. Uh, that's just walking in wisdom. That's just living in wisdom, being wise. Um, and when we live in wisdom, it helps prepare us for trials that lie ahead. Fourth, the Lord always knows where we are and can always accomplish His purposes for us. The Lord knew where Joseph was. He wasn't neglected. He wasn't being abandoned by God. The Lord knew right where he was and was able to lift him up in due time. And then fifthly, uh, not dealing with sin through repentance causes us to live with guilt, pain, and turmoil. We see that in chapter 42, verse 21, when the brothers said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. When we don't repent and deal with our sin, uh, we live with guilt and pain and turmoil. Uh, so let me encourage you to, to live in repentance. Uh, and not allow unconfessed sin to remain in your heart. Uh, but let's, let's take some extra time this morning to delve into Genesis 42. Joseph left at age 17, Genesis 37, and now close to 40 years old when we pick the story up. He looks like an Egyptian. He talks like an Egyptian. You could even say that he was... Now, if you're my age, you know where that was going. Uh, he has a, a new Egyptian name. Uh, his brothers have no idea what happened to him. Is he a slave in a household? Is he dead? They don't know. Now, we know what happened. The brothers sold Joseph into slavery and then lied to their father Jacob about what had happened. Joseph, for his part, was sold into captivity and ended up interpreting a dream that Pharaoh had and was soon elevated to the role like a prime minister in Egypt. Twenty years have now passed. Joseph is going to be reintroduced to his brothers all by the providence of God. There is a severe famine. It's widespread. This isn't the first time a famine had struck. It happened in Genesis 12 with Abraham and Sarah. It happened in Genesis 26 with Isaac and Rebekah. The, the sons here are indecisive, maybe because their memories of Egypt are not pleasant at all as they left their brother Joseph for dead. In fact, just the mere mention of the word Egypt would make them get antsy. But Jacob tells them to quit just talking about the problems and do something about it. They are needy. They are hungry. Of course, at this point, they have no idea about Joseph's situation, and Joseph has no idea how his family is doing. It cannot be easy for the brothers to journey back to Egypt just the sound of the name would bring back to mind their hidden shame and their secret sin. But they are sent off to retrieve food from Egypt. Now, verses 3 and 4 tell us that Jacob did not send Benjamin. Jacob had lost Joseph already. As far as he knows, Joseph is dead. He's not, but he, he thinks he is. He does not want to now lose Benjamin, his other son born to him by Rachel. Chapter or In verses 5 and 6, it says, The sons of Israel come to buy among the others who came for the famine in the land of Canaan. And what a strange moment this must have been. It says that the brothers come and they bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. That's verse 6. What a strange moment as the memory of 
his former dream floods his mind, going back to Genesis 37. The whole story of Joseph is one of God's providence in his life. He then gives this test. Uh, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, verse 7 says. Joseph would have so many questions swirling in his mind. Is his father alive? Is Benjamin okay? Have the brothers changed? Are they still the same guys who threw him in a pit? He has reason to be suspicious because the last time he saw these men, they were selling him into slavery. Plus, these are not a great group of men. These are men who participated in premeditated genocide. Uh, all ten participated in Joseph being beaten and thrown into a pit. These men needed to be confronted and changed. Their conscience needed to be awakened. They last saw Joseph when he was 17. He entered Pharaoh's court at age 30. They've been through seven years of plenty and now likely in the second year of the drought. So it's been about 20 years since they've seen Joseph. Verse 8 says that Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Joseph's brothers have not changed all that much, but Joseph, due to how young he was when he last saw them, has changed a lot. Plus, he's an Egyptian now, as far as anyone can tell. He's dressed like an Egyptian. Uh, the men in Palestine would have had long beards, but the men in Egypt would have been shaven. Some in leadership wore fake goatees. He's in his upper 30s, dressed in linen, flowing with gold insignia uh, that identifies him as a part of the Egyptian aristocracy. But plus, Joseph is literally the last person they would have expected to ever see. You have this conversation in verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, and Joseph accused them of being spies just to test them, and, and they say uh, in verse 13 that they are servants, they are brothers. They say they are of one father. In other words, they don't represent a government. They aren't spies, they aren't a threat is their response. It's an interesting response because they mention that there were 12 brothers, but one of them stayed back home, that's Benjamin, and they say one is no more referring to Joseph. They don't go into detail about what happened to that one, but Joseph can take from this that Benjamin is alive. You wonder what goes through the brothers' minds as they mention this small detail about Joseph that one of them is no more. Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested. That's an interesting word, tested. It's, it's used in our Old Testament in a couple of places. It's used in Jeremiah 6, 27. I have made you a tester of metals among my people that you may know and test their ways. Psalm 66, 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. The issue to test is whether they are the same guys they were 20 years ago or if they have changed. Now, why is Joseph doing this? He is being used by God to awaken their conscience and confront them in their sin. Joseph has to wonder what kind of men his brothers turned into. Do they feel guilty about what they did to him 20 years ago? Have they repented? Have they persisted in the hardness of their heart? That Joseph desperately wants to see Benjamin, his brother. They have the same father and the same mother, Rachel. Verse 16, he 
puts them in prison for three days, which allows them time to have their conscience awakened. And then, as the brothers go into custody, here they experience a part of what Joseph had already endured in his life. The text tells us that um, he put them all in custody for three days. And so they're going to experience that. Now notice what has happened. They had oppressed Joseph earlier. Now they are the ones oppressed. They had accused Joseph of spying against them, and now he accuses them of the same. They had thrown him into the pit, and now he puts them into prison. But there is a mercy here. By, in, in, by allowing nine of the ten to return home, which he ends up doing, one's going to stay back, nine are going to go. They're able to carry more grain back to their family. It's also a test to see if they've changed. Would they leave the one brother behind, Simeon? Would they leave him behind and not come back for him? Would they just leave him for dead as they had done with Joseph before? Or would they come back to get him and show that their hearts have changed? They begin to feel guilty for their sin of what happened two decades earlier. Reuben says, Did I not tell you to not sin against this boy, but you did not listen? So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. Their conscience begins to convict them. Their memory of past sins hurts them. The reason of their circumstances pursues them. Uh, one author put it this way, that conscience, memory, and reason are God's three great hounds to bark and bay at the door of the soul. Verse 24, Then he turned away from them and wept. Joseph steps out of the room and he weeps. Think of all that he has carried with him these past two decades. Simeon is the one who is bound. You might think it would be Reuben. Reuben's the oldest. But remember, Reuben is the one that 20 years ago warned the brothers to not leave Joseph in the pit. The whole conversation that we read about in chapter 42 is probably the first time Joseph learned all those details. When Reuben stepped out, it left Simeon as the second oldest in charge, and that may be why it works out that way. Verse 28 says, Their hearts failed them, and they turn trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? The brothers are concerned they're going to look like thieves because of Joseph's plan and what he does that's revealed here in, in chapter 42. They wonder if God is giving them retribution for what they did to Joseph many years ago. And as you get to the end of chapter 42, you see the hand of providence at work you see that there's this opportunity for them to see if they have repented and if they've changed. But the one thing that we see for sure in Joseph's life is this reality that hard circumstances are used by God to help us. Even the very hard, difficult circumstances in Joseph's life have been used by God to help him. Real quick, a summary of Psalm 14 as we end with our wisdom reading. Really simple today here. To live as if there is no God makes you a fool. 
that's the story of Psalm 14. To live as if there is no God makes you a fool. Let's not only believe in God, let's not only read His Word, but make sure that you live clearly trusting and believing that there is the one true God who has revealed Himself in the pages of Scripture. Some people are atheists. They just don't believe in God. Some people are practical atheists, meaning they they would affirm they believe in God, but the way they live their life, their decisions, the details of their life, is as though they don't believe in God. Let's make sure our faith is strong and that we live and act on our faith, trusting in Him for all things. Enjoy the reading today. Hope this helps. Be blessed.